Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 145. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. In this episode, we're licensing some shady tech shenanigans from 1984. But first news of yet another tech U-turn. Remember when I said you can always smell a rat when Apple unleash a press release on a Friday? Friday being the best day to bury bad news. Well, I should have caveated that. Friday is still the best day to bury bad news, but make that the Friday before a holiday weekend and you get double deception points. Guess what? Apple did it again last Friday, just before the Labour Day weekend. You are so transparent, Timmy. What this time? Only their CSAM U-turn. Yes, U-turn of the week! Apple have come round to the way of thinking that the rest of the world arrived at on day one. They are going to delay the rollout of the photo scanning thing. Their grand plan lasted all of 29 days. Their U-turn was announced with absolutely no prior notice in exactly the same way they made the initial announcement. No acknowledgement that issues like this should be tackled industry-wide with a cohesive strategy. Just Timmy playing the Lone Ranger. The U-turn was received in exactly the way you would expect. A rousing chorus of, we told you so. Yes, without exception, Apple's initial plans were subject to reactions of horror, incredulity, scepticism and more. There really was little in the way of support from any quarter for Apple's initial plan. And it seems for once they took notice. It's not going to be happening until a future date. So not binned then, just postponed. Their quote was they would take additional time over the coming months to collect input and make improvements. <laughs> what, like you should have done all along? Hmm. Isn't there a lovely American proverbial expression involving the application of lipstick to a pig? I feel it would be most appropriate to this mess. Stuff like this really doesn't do Apple any favours. There's only so many times you can make U-turns like this before you lose all credibility forever. The very latest is that the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, have called on Apple to drop the plan completely. In its response to the announced delay, the EFF said, It was pleased that Apple is now listening to the concerns of users, but the company must go further than just listening and drop its plans to put a backdoor into its encryption entirely. And a couple of items this week should serve to remind us just how fallible tech is. First, Facebook. I know, a bag of hurt on a general level, but this one's horrific. Facebook issued an apology on behalf of its artificial intelligence software that asked users watching a video featuring black men if they wanted to see more, and I quote, videos about primates. Just let that sink in for a moment. Now, rather than issue an immediate fix, they didn't dare risk it. They decided it was more prudent to disable the topic recommendation feature entirely. They do say that they're investigating the cause of the error. But then it came to light that the video had been online for more than a year, proudly displaying the keep seeing videos about primates message. Now, without taking this whole thing off topic, I did wonder why there would be a video of black and white men fighting on Facebook in the first place. Secondly, I wondered who would be entertained by watching it. But then I discovered it was the Daily Mail who uploaded it. Say no more. 
But seriously, if Facebook's tech can't tell a person from a primate with the world watching, just think how far wrong the Apple algorithm could go. Now, the second example of misidentification of photos was actually Apple themselves. And an employee was searching the photos on their phone. The specific search term in question was the word infant. The search results included only photos of the employee themselves, naked in bed with only a duvet covering their modesty. Now, leaving the question of why she would take such photos alone, you know, it's her phone, she can take whatever images she likes, as long as it's not illegal. If Apple's AI identified someone of legal age as an infant, and in those photos, the subject of the image was naked to any degree, wouldn't those images get flagged? It would render the entire system useless if they didn't. But false flagged images are the most insidious sort of corruption of any system aimed at catching inappropriate images. So, back to the drawing board it is then. And going forward, beware the potential perils of the Friday press release. In another 1984 moment, Apple last week pulled the plug on an internal Slack channel set up to discuss pay equity. Talk about like the blue touch paper, hey? Eh? <laughs> A member of the employee relations team, we believe that this is Apple's version of HR, said that while the topic was aligned with Apple's commitment to pay equity, it did not meet the company's Slack terms of use. Clever. Yes, a comment from an Apple spokesperson. I was surprised too, especially after last week's silence is golden approach. The company's rules for the in-office chat app state that Slack channels for activities and hobbies not recognised as Apple employee clubs or diversity network associations aren't permitted and shouldn't be created. Fair enough. But if you're going to do that, the rules have to be applied equally. According to a related article, it most definitely isn't. Apple employees have popular Slack channels to discuss and I quote, fun dogs, more than 5,000 members, gaming, more than 3,000 members, and dad jokes, more than 2,000 members. Add to that, on the 18th of August, the company approved a channel called Community Fuzzball. Hmm. The cat and dogs channels are not part of official clubs, and all of the channels were specifically created to talk about non-work activities. Oh, that's quite sad. Not work-related. Mm. So don't expect iDog and iCat anytime soon, then. An employment attorney was quoted saying that invoking the slack terms may simply be an excuse to block discussions of workplace pay disparities, since doing so outright would violate labour law. The quote was, discussing pay equity is a protected activity under federal, state and local law. Everyone agrees on that. For them to try and impair employees' ability to discuss pay equity and diversity in the workplace is a clear-cut act of retaliation. So pay equity has been one of those push-button topics among the Apple employees over the last few months. Apple have shut down numerous employee surveys aimed at comparing salaries, but one seems to have slipped under the radar. And the initial analysis of the results from that survey showed a 6% pay gap between the salaries of men and women of those who participated. Wow, Apple. Just wow. That doesn't happen by accident. That's a cultural problem within the company. Salaries should just be dealt with on a blind basis where it's purely performance based. Now, Apple have previously said they didn't have a pay equity problem. Employees are suspicious and want to create a space to discuss these pay issues. And I'm not surprised that they're suspicious. Shutting down surveys and closing groups like that 
sounds like the actions of a tinpot tyrannical dictator rather than a doyen of modern employment practice. One source was quoted as saying, it's sure very convenient for Apple that these terms of use that they wrote are extremely useful for crushing free and open communication among employees. Guess what? When asked for a comment, Apple did not immediately respond. <laughs> not the way to effectively deal with it, Apple. They're beginning to sound like my old boss's father hiding the kettle. Oh, and all of this is before the work from home versus the return to the office thing rears its ugly head again. A delight for us to revel in next year, according to reports. You'd think Apple would be keeping their eye on the way that things are going in terms of changes to how people feel about work-related matters right now. The world's changed. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. In April, according to figures from the US, more than four million people quit their job. Another four million quit in June, and the trend isn't slowing down. The result of a survey was that 56% of Gen Z workers said they were unhappy with the work-life balance at their current job. Nothing new there, maybe, but the workforce doing something about it certainly is. So with more than nine million open positions, inflexible employers are struggling to find workers as businesses open up more and they're looking for staff. And a lot of that can be attributed to young people demanding change. Over half of the Gen Z responders said they plan to look for a new job next year. Why aren't businesses realising this? Your employees are the one asset you can't afford to lose. Machine breaks, buy another one. Employees, they're not interchangeable pieces of homogeneous equipment. Not to mention, even if you could, there's a cost associated with getting new employees up to speed. And there's a disruption to the business doing so. If you want the best employees, you're going to have to accept the new normal and be flexible before you lose the lot. And then, just to stir the pot, Apple demanded employees reveal their vaccine status to the company. Many won't be bothered about that since they're more than happy to plaster it all over Facebook. But it was the wording of the request stroke demand, depending on your reading of it, that was inelegant at best. They said... It is possible that your vaccination status may be used in an identifiable manner, along with other information about your general work environment, such as your building location, if we determine or if it is required that this information is necessary in order to ensure a healthy and safe work environment. Working from home is pretty safe, just saying, Apple. But what about other medical statuses? Is this the thin end of the wedge? It's beginning to remind me of the stigma around AIDS in the 80s. There's always the chance of a witch hunt. Factions become polarised and there's no requirement for a vaccination from Apple. So, hmm, encouragement but no mandate yet. Let's just leave that there. And as if all of this wasn't bad enough, oh, what's happened to the company I used to love? There's a litany of other small tidbits regarding Apple that alone, individually, might not amount to much but collectively do make you wonder where the corporate head is at. It's reported Apple are to take a smaller cut of publishers' sales if those publishers join Apple News. Rationale? Who knows? Let's speculate. Lack of providers willing to join under the current system? Potentially maybe to fend off any lawsuit, claiming the current system isn't fair, just like the App Store saga? Mm. There's a shift happening. Maybe this is the first indication that Apple are aware of this shift happening. They've already changed the rules for the reader apps. 
And this week, they've been on the wrong end of a blog post from Rogue Amoeba regarding the lack of improvements in the App Store over the last 10 years. And if you think about it, look at the App Store. While there's been like prettification, or at least changes, you may have preferred it before. I certainly did. But it's basically information wrapped in CSS. And the only changes have been, we'll put that over there on the right instead of the left. But what about things like being able to compare two apps side by side? What about things like proper trials? Just basically moving the thing forward, because how the world is now is not how it was 10 years ago, except in the App Store, where it is. Uh, Then another thing this week was a judge has said that Apple must face Siri privacy lawsuit after, and and I'm air quoting here, accidental activations. Mm. The judge refused to throw the case out, so Apple are going to have to deal with it, basically. And then in a stop press moment, Mm. Chief of People, I'm not kidding, this is her job title, People Chief Deirdre O'Brien tells the Apple employees to talk to their managers about pay and other concerns. This was a video message and it was only intended for employees, not for the likes of us. But needless to say, details leaked within minutes. So the company only thing that's gone so well so far. So she said in the video, Now, I want you to hear this directly from me. First, if you ever have a concern about your pay at Apple, please talk to your manager or your people business partner. And second, if you ever want to report a concern about your work environment, please come and talk to us, please. Now, that's not me misreading that. That's what it actually says. Please come and talk to us, please. And know that we have a confidential process to thoroughly investigate in a way that treats everyone with dignity and respect. Hmm. Poppycock. I think that's the best way to describe that. And that's because of all the revelations that we have heard during this Apple II thing. People have specifically said their manager took no notice. Their manager told the person being complained about who was complaining about them. So all this talk to your manager is a confidential process. I don't think so. Then there was this classic. This is about the pay equity. We use industry standard methodology. And we have a dedicated team of experts that runs a comprehensive process to monitor and maintain pay equity. And we partner with an independent third party that analyses our compensation each year. If this work identifies a gap, we close it. And our approach is considered best in class. Let's have a look at that, shall we? We don't have a pay equity problem. We maintain pay equity. Okay, so there's no problem. But secondly... If there's a problem, then we deal with it. Mm. It's one or the other, guys. One or the other. I love the self-congratulation in there, too. Our approach is considered best in class. And the fact that you're telling us that, Apple? Mm. What a self-serving diatribe that was. Tone deaf and insulting to those adversely affected by all that we're now hearing about for the first time. All the upcoming new tech, and indeed everything Apple do from now on, will be announced against a backdrop of employee unrest, despite this latest video message. Complete transparency is needed sooner rather than later, before this gets even worse. Maybe they'll start taking notice when it affects the bottom line, because they've not really done a stellar job up till now. Why is it tech companies feel the need to enforce the one-size-fits-all approach? Yes, LinkedIn, I'm looking at you. In October 2020, they rolled out Stories, an Instagram Snapchat clone. 
The intention was that the format would enable brands to reach out to members using photos and videos of up to 20 seconds in duration. At the launch of this, they were specifically offering a more casual and immediate way to share news, insights and highlights. And these posts would only be viewable for 24 hours. They said they were looking to capitalise on the popularity of video as part of a shift in emphasis towards visual mediums and mobile. I think all the social networks have tried similar ephemeral content. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook and even YouTube have had varying degrees of success with it. LinkedIn and Twitter? Less so. Twitter's attempt was the now defunct fleet system. But come on. What works on Instagram for unicorn-loving preteens doesn't necessarily work on a career-focused network aimed at business professionals. I know that. You know that. The unicorn and the preteen know that. Why don't they know that? It's as bad as the old adage about the efficacy of an ashtray on a motorbike. Only 10 months into this story system and LinkedIn is ditching them. By the end of September 2021, the feature will have gone. It turns out ephemeral posts aren't a perfect fit for every social network. <laughs> you don't say. LinkedIn are now saying that users want video that stays on their profile permanently and not ones that vanish. Liz Lee, LinkedIn Senior Director of Product, wrote, In developing stories, we assumed people wouldn't want informal videos attached to their profile. That ephemerality would reduce barriers that people feel about posting. But it turns out you want to create lasting videos that tell your professional story in a more personal way and that showcase both your personality and expertise. So they're going back to the drawing board, taking what they learned from stories, such as users wanting creative tools to liven up video in a professional way, to create, massive air quotes, reimagined video experience across LinkedIn that's even richer and more conversational. Where do they get these copywriters from? Well, I just can't wait to see what they come up with next. You're going to love this next one. Spotify is getting a new feature. And before you get excited, no, it's not the ability to block the Smiths. It's better than that. Trust me, nothing is better than that. Spotify are promising deep integration with Philips Hue smart lights. It's going to let Hue users sync their lights to their Spotify playlists. It'll use an algorithm to analyse the metadata of each song in real time. And that in turn will make Hue lights flash, dim, brighten and change colours whilst matching the beat, mood, genre and tempo of the music on Spotify. It doesn't stop there either. The algorithm even takes into account factors like loudness, segments, pitch and more. The whole thing is completely customizable via the app. The great news is that this Spotify integration is free. But having said that, you are going to need a hue bridge and colour capable hue lights like the white and colour ambiance smart bulbs. Handily, we have a whole collection of those illuminating the bathroom and toilet. It all works through the Philips Hue app and doesn't need a microphone to react to the music, which means that the syncing experience can happen, but the phone is free to be used for other things at the same time. It's said to work with any Spotify compatible audio device, including speakers, computers and phones. And apart from that, you just need to link your Spotify account with your Philips Hue account in the Hue app. 
So, a personalised in-house strobing light show based on your preferred beats. Just what you need when you're on the toilet or in the bath. TMI Mike. TMI. Hot on the heels of the OnlyFans reversal, Twitter have rolled out paid subscriptions in the form of Super Follows, which according to reports could include subscriptions to entertainment of an adult nature. Seems you can't avoid this at the moment. Personally, I can't think of much worse, but clearly I'm in the minority. There are currently three subscription tiers, $2.99 a month, $4.99 a month and $9.99 a month. And it's said that this is for people to monetize bonus behind the scenes content for their most engaged followers on Twitter. In terms of practicality, each subscription option needs to be a separate in-app purchase. So right now, these are being added individually and manually to the App Store. It must be taking them an age. It also showcases the limitations of the App Store. Limitations also pointed out this week by Rogue Amoeba, as they pulled Fission from the App Store after 10 years and accompanied their exit with a scathing blog post. Twitter are also allowing tips in Bitcoin for creators too. It seems they can't get on the adult entertainment train fast enough. Twitter also took the opportunity to roll out a few safety features too. Probably going to need those in the adult entertainment business. But there's harassment protection features, including the auto-blocking of abusive accounts and the ability to let users hide their old tweets. Still no edit button, I see. Slowly, slowly, hey Twitter, only 15 years and counting. Microsoft followed up last week's announcement of the launch date of Windows 11 with the announcement of a hardware event this week. It's a Surface event. It's on the 22nd of September and always worth watching. So much scope for something to go wrong. Hop, skip and a jump, Sinofsky immediately springs to mind. Stephen Sinofsky was president of the Windows division at Microsoft. He was demonstrating a Surface at an early Surface event and the device completely froze on him. Now, rather than mention that, he carried on talking, or should I say waffling, while attempting to thump the thing into submission. He then slung it unceremoniously under the speaker's podium and just pulled another device out and carried on. Not a mention of the failed tech. You can't do that. Did he think we wouldn't notice? I can assure you, in not mentioning it, that was all that Twitter was talking about. Now, while he's long gone, we now have a Panos Pane, client product officer, and he is the most intense presenter. He completely unnerves me. So it should be at least worth attending for the giggles. Don't miss it. 22nd of September. What is it with these tech companies thinking they're beyond the law and more importantly, beyond human decency? In addition to all Apple are doing, or to be more accurate, all they aren't doing for their employees, there are other companies evidencing some shady shenanigans. Amazon, for a start. A complaint was made by an employee claiming discrimination. The complaint was duly investigated and the decision was made in her favour. The person responsible was on the way out of the company before he was saved by a higher executive officer. So bad form already. But worse still, that officer is now running the show. He took over from our friend Jeff the astronaut Bezos. That's just disgusting behaviour. Amazon were asked to comment about this and they said that they weren't in a position to deny the claims. I think that's Amazon speak for the true then. 
I noticed in all of this reporting, there was no mention of what happened to the person who'd made the initial complaint, the one that was upheld and then ignored. It really isn't good enough. And then there's the lobby group headed by Timmy Boy. Lobbying for what? Apparently, for tech companies, Apple in particular, to pay less tax. Why? It's clearly not a money thing because this was in the same week they gave 30 million to charity. They clearly don't trust the government to do something that Apple would approve of with the money. Hate to break it to you, Apple, but that's how it works. And all of that was in addition to the leaking of just how much money Apple spent lobbying in Europe. $4.1 million if you're interested. If you're not up to mischief, why do you need to lobby? If you're not trying to persuade them to make a decision in your favour, why do you need to lobby? Sage advice would be for the tech companies to stick to the tech and abide by the outcome of their own investigations, instead of heading off on a tangent indulging in promoting their own agenda. It's shady. Very, very shady. Driving licences on your phone. Would you if you could? Well, it's now possible in a handful of states in the US. I can't see it arriving here anytime soon, though. I've read so much about it and there are so many caveats that it seems the thing barely works. And I've got to admit that my UK driving licence is still the original paper-based one. And I received that within days of passing my test back in, <clears throat> wait for it, 1985. I have vivid memories of trying to hire a car in 1998. And the girl at the hire company had to ask an older colleague if it was OK to accept my driving licence. It was only 13 years old at that stage. Add another 23 to it. And I don't think I'll have much luck using it at all, to be honest. But since it's still legally valid and in the absence of moving house, I'd have to pay for a replacement. I'm hanging on to it as long as I can. So am I hankering to get it on my iPhone? Well, not really, but I guess it would be handy. But only in an ideal world where nothing ever goes wrong. And trust me, this is Apple this is tech, and this would be the UK government. Something's bound to go wrong. What I have done is scan my aged and somewhat fragile paper driving licence, so I have a PDF of it on my phone. Not that I'd expect anyone who needed it to be willing to accept a digital copy. Maybe this is just an idea that's ahead of its time, and ahead of what we're prepared to hand over to our phones just now. Many, many years ago, I got pulled for speeding. I had to take my driving licence to the local police station where I sat for an hour waiting for a police officer to come out and see me. He took my licence off me and spent what seemed like a lifetime in the back office with it in his possession. Since that happened, I actually worked for the police in an IT role. In 2003, I was part of a team delivering training to officers on a new crime recording system. When the system went live, we spent time in the custody suites and the police stations providing support, and this gave me an appreciation of what goes on in those back offices. There's a lot of admin and a lot of form filling to do. So it's not just a case of, he's been a very naughty boy, I'm going to sit here having a cup of tea and leave his licence on the desk and make him wait an hour. With this system, at least if it's scanned, they can go off, do their paperwork, and even if they do leave me for an hour, I've got my iPhone to play with. But then again, if I don't break the law, it won't be an issue. So what are our hopes for Apple's quarter four? Ooh, new Apple Silicon powered iMac. Then 
an iPhone 13, but it probably won't be called that. Then the Apple Watch. Obviously, I'm still waiting for the real version of iWork. You never give up, do you? Nope. I will wear Timmy down in the end. Give it to her, man, so we can all get some peace. Let's start with the most obvious incoming tech toy, the iPhone. Do you think it'll be the 13 or superstitiously will they miss that number out? Honestly, don't know. It took me back to when there was the iPhone 3 and then the 3, no, it was the 3G, wasn't it? And then the 3GS and then a 4 and a 4S and a 5 and a 5S. You know, although the numbers were sequential, they did differentiate them. I, mm, everybody's calling it the 13. So will it just be a case of let's just go with it or will they make a change? Oh, it'll be exciting, that one. I think the 13. I'm going to go with that one. Fair enough. You, th you think Timothy is that yes. brave. Excellent. Yes. <clears throat> Not much evidence of that so far, but carry on. No. Do you think they finished fiddling with the sizes? Well, the small one didn't do well, which I would have predicted myself. And I know initially people were concerned about whether it was going to be a pocketable size. But I love the big one. I do. And I think to make one as small as the original ones, I, I can't see people going back to that. And I think that's what happened. So I hope they have finished fiddling with the sizes because we wouldn't want to upset Manchester United, would we? If it was another millimetre bigger, wouldn't get it in the door. No, I wouldn't get it in my pocket either because that was my concern when I went to the big one. Would it fit in my pocket? And it does. Oh, poor Mike. He had pocket poverty. <clears throat> maybe I've got bigger pockets since. Who knows? Do you know, I wonder if that small one not doing well was COVID driven because you don't need the portability if you're not travelling. So maybe people were less concerned about whether it would fit in their pocket because, you know, the gym jams don't have pockets and that's what they're wearing all day, every day whilst on Zoom calls. <laughs> Or onesies. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yes, onesies. Uh, luckily, a fashion trend that has passed me by, <clears throat> for which we're all grateful. <laughs> I just want the touch ID back, or at least something more workable than the current stupid system. The Apple Watch Unlock doesn't actually unless unlock unless you actually pick the device up and stare at it first. So when they said we're bringing... This, this new system, it'll be fabulous. And then they mentioned the Apple Watch and I thought, oh, that's so cool. Because I have a laptop that's on a desk, maybe six foot away. And I log into it remotely and I feel my watch vibrate and it unlocks it. I'm not looking at it. it it's just the proximity. So when they said they were bringing that in, I thought, awesome. But apparently you still have to look at it first. So I wasn't pleased with that. I just want to tap on a prone device on my desk and have it activate without the attendant face dance. For foisting face ID on us was the reason that I didn't buy the iPhone 10. And I remember back when they announced it and it's like, oh, it's got face ID. I won't be using that. And it was at least two hours later when I'm reading all of the details that I thought, just just a minute. You mean that actually isn't a touch ID of any description on it? Oh, it's it's face ID only. And I didn't want it. So I, I didn't buy the iPhone 10. Uh, at the time, I had a seven. So there'd been an eight and oh something else after that. So I was at least two devices behind, but I just decided no, because I, I want touch ID. 
I ended up with it kind of by default. I bought an iPad Pro in 2018 and it had Face ID. And I'll admit, it works really well on the iPad. That's because when I pick an iPad up, I'm probably going to do something with it. Thus, I am looking at it. That doesn't mean that my left thumb isn't always over the camera, but that's a whole different bag of hurt. But with my phone, my phone's flat on, on its back on the desk and something will, will whiz on it and, and I'll think, oh, what was that? And I just want to reach out, touch it and it wake up and it then starts screaming about Face ID. And obviously I can say the no and, and wait and then put in the 27 digits that, that I've got. But but why? Why, when I've got my watch, can it not just unlock it? That would be perfect. But that's just me. There's a song in there somewhere, but I'm not mm. going to sing it. But I am going to say the lyrics, which is, I want my Touch ID, as in, I want my MTV. Oh, yes, I do want my Touch ID. But seriously, lack of Touch ID annoys me as well. But do you have any preference for one of the doubtless 13 colours it'll come in? Not pink. I'd be quite happy if it, if it wasn't pink. <laughs> they do... It's a bit weird that they have two standards of colours. They have standards of colours that are available for the, for the pro versions, or for which read the more expensive ones. And then they have a range of much nicer colours on the model that you're probably not going to buy. But the fact that they bring out different colours not just different variations of like, you know, that there's a red, a green and a black and a silver. Not like that, but but just seemingly random colours with exotic names does make me think. Do you think they think they're Dulux or something? Could be. There was the green one and then there was like, wasn't there a midnight blue? Which did actually look quite nice. Quite, I quite like that one. I just tend to go for space grey or black or the nearest to it. Although I have had white. I had a white 3G and I had a white iPhone 6. But all the others have been space grey or piano black or what, whatever the dark one is. <laughs> I'm so boring, aren't I? But, you know, I'd be quite happy. Not pink. What about a smaller notch? I don't notice the notch, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, I've totally forgot it was there. Yeah, I think it was a big thing when it was very first announced, saying that it was ugly. And I think if you were switching from you know, standard notchless phone to one with a notch. It was mildly annoying to start with. But like you say, once you get used to it, I don't have a dark wallpaper. My wallpaper is light enough that you can see the notch. But if you just had a black wallpaper, you'd have to have a problem, would you? This is true. I've I've got a picture of Mayer as my wallpaper. So That's why you don't notice the notch. You just look at him and see his beauty. Yeah, I can see the notch, but I, I ignore it, I must admit. Oh, there was actually, this caused uproar this week, there was an iPhone spotted in a programme on Apple TV+. Plus. Now, obviously, I booted that weeks ago, so I haven't actually seen it. I've only seen a still of it. But somebody kind of, you know, like you would casually throw an iPhone on the bed. Let's not go into any reason why they might be doing that. But in this programme, this person who'd caught the screen cap of it, the, the, the phone in question was notchless. So it all kicked off, didn't it? With, oh, is the, is the iPhone 13 going to be notchless? But apparently people saying no. So I, maybe it was just a prop and it didn't actually work. But they are talking about putting more cameras on it, aren't they? Like there aren't enough cameras on it already. I think there's enough cameras for me. I'm not a, I'm not a pro photographer. I don't think I need any more cameras. Uh, Samsung said that they are now putting 200 megapixel cameras 
on on some devices or other. She's like, whoa, <laughs> that is some megapixels, isn't it? Can you imagine the storage you'd need for that? Which does incidentally lead us nice onto storage capacities. You know, this privacy storm about the photo scanning, that could lead people to buy larger capacity phones rather than store their images in the cloud. What do you think to that? I think you could be right. I think this time, uh, my current phone is 256, but it is absolutely crammed full of photos. If I were going for storage, I, I think 512 would... would be my minimum. Because again, as the cameras get better, then the images that you're storing and the video that you're storing needs more storage. Or you're doing the, the storage dance and that just takes too much time. Who's got time for that? I've got loads of space on mine. Do you want to borrow some? Oh, oh would that it work like that? <laughs> would that we could just pull a chip out of yours and put it in mine? Or even better, Oh, now, now, if we're getting beyond what, what we actually think might happen, if we're heading off into the realms of like fantasy, wouldn't it be amazing if it had a card slot? It would. And it knew how to use it. Mm. Mm. Oh, fantasy. Seeing as I found a 200 gig card in the bottom of a drawer yesterday. Oh, you did, yes. And I know you knew at some point you'd lost it, but nice that it turned up again. Just looking for a home. Do you think we'll... Uh, We'll see the Google Circle added. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you are have been in, in a cave somewhere, the Google Circle is a 3.5 mil audio jack. Yes, the one they took away last time. Put it back now. No, I can't see that myself. Well, um, actually, actually saying no, it's the year of the U-turn, so... Who knows? Oh, that's a good point. No, they're not going to do that. They're not. Because you know why? They've backed themselves into a corner. They can now no longer take that away because when, well, when I say take it away, put it back, if you will, make a U-turn. They can't make a U-turn because last time when they took it away, they build it as we are brave. So if they were to put it back, everybody else would be saying, oh, you're no longer brave. Are oh, you cowardly now? So, no, it's not coming back, is it? No, just face facts. You're going to need another dongle. Will there be a headphones and charger in the box, do we think? Probably not. You'll be lucky if there's a phone in it, to be honest. <laughs> it's going that way, isn't it? It is, yeah. I can understand the charging block more than the cable and the headphones. The headphones is actually a tricky one. I mean, we all know they want you to buy the AirPods. I wonder if they could do a discount. No, don't be silly, it's Apple. No, I don't see headphones being in it anytime soon. When I think of the dongles that I've got here to make the kit that I've got actually work, you know, there, there's, I would say a drawful, but there's way more than a drawful. We actually have this thing on the back of the office door. And I think it was intended for shoes, wasn't it? But obviously that's not happening because I don't think I own more than one pair. I put the dongles in it and then label them. So I've got dongles and, and dongles of dongles and alternative dongles. And they're all labelled because sometimes with the work, the hours that I work, you need access to them. You need to know what the dongle is. So there's a whole range of dongles and they're not going back on that anytime soon. I'm just really grateful that for the last 18 months I've not left the house because if you do and you need the dongles, it's like, well, how much do you take with you and how much do you leave behind? I think there is a lot to be said for the original iPhones where you picked up the phone and you had your standard headphones and that was it. You didn't have to concern yourself with anything else. You know what's coming back to mind for me, don't you? No. 
that re- that retreat we went on, you know, it was supposed to be a relaxing day. And when we got there, the, the person running the thing hadn't got some music and it turned into a complete fiasco. And I ended up sat at the front of this thing like a coiled spring waiting for the nod to play the music that I'd had to download on one device and then piggyback the other device onto it. So I had the um, headphone jack. Oh, Never again. Never, ever again. No, I don't see that. I, I think you really would be lucky if there's a phone in there. And the smaller the box gets, the happier Apple are. So no, not seeing it anytime soon. But, you know, in terms of, you know, things that you might want with it. Oh, pencil support. I know. I know it's highly unlikely, but, you know, a girl can dream. I think pencil support for the phone is up there with a new version of iWork, isn't it? But I did think you've got this quick note ability. So wouldn't it kind of make sense to have a nice little pencil? You know, flick it up, write on the note. Am I in cloud cuckoo land? Like you said, a girl can dream. Oh, oh well. Hmm. To be honest, in terms of would I buy it, it's really going to depend. Maybe. I don't feel there'll be anything compelling, apart from a pencil, maybe, but there again, Cloud Cuckoo Land. But the one that I've got is now out of Apple Care uh, in two weeks. So it would mean that I had a device in Apple Care for the next two years, because do you know what? I just don't have the, the bandwidth for any grief with the things. But in terms of wanting it for a compelling reason, I'm not feeling the love this time. I'm not. But time will tell, won't it? Maybe they'll surprise me. Other thing with all of the tech for quarter four is the prices, because Apple Kit's not cheap to start with. And they're already warning us about chip shortages, meaning that the prices will skyrocket. So when I read a story like that and it's come from Apple, it's like, oh, oh, right. Mm." The word might and maybe were in there, but they mean absolutely. They're just testing the waters. If the peasants revolt, as we've seen in many stories lately, um, then maybe they'll put the prices down. So if we could all just band together and say, Apple, we'd like to pay you no more than like £499, maybe they'll listen. You never know. I'm back off in cloud cuckoo land. (laughs) Aligning your expectations. Yeah, sadly. Oh, well. Anyway. What about you? Would you buy? Would I Would I buy? Um, same with you. I th- same as you, I think. Nothing compelling, but it does give you Apple care. So I'll think about it. Mm. In the meanwhile, what do you think about a folding phone? Would you have one? Oh, I'm not at all convinced about a folding phone. Surely the screen will crack or wear in a weird way. Because... How many times a day would you unfold it? You know, the old flip phones, and they were great. I love my flip phone. It was a Motorola Razor and I loved it. But it was a hinge, wasn't it? It didn't, you opening it and closing it, the the only wear and tear would be on the hinge. But this kind of thing, the wear and tear, while there is probably some kind of hinge in there, it's actually on the screen. And the thought of that just freaks me out, I must admit. I'm not desperate for a flip phone. And you're, but now we've ascertained that your pockets are large enough to take an iPhone. Why would you want one that folded in half? Very true. Or do you have some, some reason for this? I have no reason at all. I shall not be getting one. It would also change the way you use it, you know. Because as we've just said, how do we use our phones right now? And 
I know yours and mine are on the desk, flat on their back. And you spot something come in. How would you be doing that if, if it was folded in half unless there was like a mini screen? Do you remember the, the ones we had, the flip phones? They had a mini screen on them. Mm. And, you, you know, you, would, you could see who was ringing if somebody rang you, put it like that. But without that mini screen, and even if there was that mini screen, I, you're not, it's not going to be big enough to give you the kind of the inherent knowledge that you have about what is that that's on the screen. You know if it's a WhatsApp message or if it's an email. You can see enough of that and you would then know if you wanted to read it now or not. So if a mail comes in from me or Manchester United, I would suspect, you'd probably look at it straight away. But if it's an email thing from from somewhere, a newsletter, you might leave it and you can see that on your phone. So I foresee with you, if it just like made some kind of noise every time something arrived, a little notification noise, I can imagine you opening and closing that about 50 million times a day to be broken within a week. <laughs> time will tell. I, I don't think we're going to see that this time. So I'm putting that down as a no. Now, there's a possibility that the next phone will be able to make calls via satellite. Everybody got giddy about that. And then do you know what happened? All those stories that came out, they were then updated and said, oh, only in emergencies, though. I don't believe I have a need to make satellite calls, not leaving the house and all of that. But it's potentially not only useful in circumstances where you've got no coverage, but it could also be life saving. But I had this vision. Can you imagine an O2 rep being able to work out the vagaries involved in satellite calling and whether it was included in your bundle or not? <laughs> We've had some tough O2 reps in our time. There is a good one, isn't there? The guy in Berry. So if we ever need O2, it's like, let's go 25 miles out of our way because he knows what he's talking about. But he's probably the only one I've ever met that does. Yes, but whilst we're there, we can get bacon and sausage. <gasps> oh, if you're, in, if you're ever in Berry Market, they do the most amazing bacon and, and sausage. We're getting slightly off piste with bacon, aren't we? <laughs> but, you know, bacon. Who, who doesn't want bacon? Oh, Apple Watch Series 7. Are we in the market for that? And more importantly, is bigger better? Not necessarily. I am interested in what they'll do with it in terms of adding features, but I know I shouldn't. I should leave these rumour sites alone. I know that. But when you do, your eyes just gently waft over the rumours. It's like, oh, they're going to add this and this and this and this. And they're all health features. And I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And then not until next year. Well, what are you telling us that now for then? So I don't know what they'll add with this one. The rumours are it will be bigger and, and a different shape. Um, I thought about it and thought they I know they changed the size once, I think, already. But they haven't changed the strap sizes since the first version. Now, I don't buy sillyly priced Apple straps. Mine are usually, I would say, cost effective. But in this instance, I'm going to be truthful and say cheap. If they're cheap, I'm happy with them. That's enough. That'll do for me. So it wouldn't really bother me if they change the size um, as long as the replacement strap manufacturers got them out fast enough because I, I don't actually like the Apple straps. They're not as good as the replacements to me. Uh, but in terms of features, obviously, some will be based on the update to the software. Others potentially on the hardware. The most interesting thing health wise that I, I really would be interested in is 
because there is an oximeter already, isn't there? But not the model that we've got. Uh, but the one that I'd be interested in is a blood sugar monitor. But whether that would come out in this one, I don't know. Apparently all the health things next year. So that one's pretty much up in the air for me as well. What about you? Um, the only reason I'd get a watch is for the battery. Because <laughs> mine's a bit, bit long in the tooth now. I think mine is, is mine three years old this year or four years old. Um, 2016, 17, three years old. So this one's three years old. Yeah, no Apple Care anymore. Battery is an issue. I did notice the battery was draining within probably about 12 hours, about three weeks ago. And I let it drain down to absolutely nothing and then charged it up again about two, three times and it's fine again. But yes, I, I am at the stage where I might have to consider that. But with that one, that's definitely a wait and see. I remember in 2016 when Watch 2 came out, I'd I poo-pooed Watch 1, if you remember. <clears throat> It'll be in a MacBite somewhere. There's evidence of this. And in the summer of 2016, I tried this uh, pedometer type thing, you know, a step counter. And I tried one before many, many years ago. And then I tried this slight more modern style one. So it was a watch and it went on your hand. It also linked in with uh, you could read your text on it. And this thing was like 15 pounds. I was blown away by it. Honestly, within a week, I thought I need, I need an Apple watch. And luckily, because I think it was 18 months, it wasn't 12 months between them. It was a full 18 months. Um, it came out. It was announced at the September event. So I'd only been using this £15 thing for about three weeks and it came out and I ordered it then. But I knew that I wanted that one. So I knew, hopefully, fingers crossed, they would have announced it, which they did. And when they did, it was a definite. That was a definite yes. It didn't matter what they announced because I hadn't had one before. So it was just fingers crossed there's a new watch and if there isn't buying one. And that was it. But with this one, no, it's it's a case of like there's nothing really wrong with a watch that I've got. I'm actually surprised there isn't a mark on this watch because I had watches many years ago, you know, before you had your phone and then you didn't need a watch. And no matter how much you looked after them, they get scratched. I'm sure yours was were the same. Mm. Well, I've had three Apple watches and not a mark on any of them. Maybe I just don't move around enough. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it really does look like new. And there's nothing like spending the princely sum of £1.99 or £2.99 and getting a new strap and it feeling like a totally new watch. Change the face, change the strap, you're done. You think you've spent £700. So I might do that this time, I'm not sure. What about AirPods 3? I think there's a possibility for AirPods 3 on account of the fact that AirPods 2 are currently reduced. So it's looking likely for that. I wasn't really into AirPods 1, and neither were you, were you? No. But we did both buy AirPods 2. As I recall it, accidentally on, on your part, we went in to buy a pair because I wanted one. Oh, and then the Apple salesperson idiot that they were, uh, everyday sexism, and started talking to you about how you were going to love your new, your new AirPods. So I gave him enough rope to hang himself and then said, actually, they're for me. Everyday sexism much. Oh, he, he was he ran scared at that. Uh, so I do remember buying those. But as you're stood there watching me with them, you, you kind of talked yourself into it, didn't you? I did. Not difficult to do. Oh, it was neatly done that, Mike. It was. 
I'm actually happy with the pair I've got. They're good enough for what I use them for. I don't think they're anything special in the audio department. You know, not not spectacular. Uh, but maybe that's because most of the time I use over-ear headphones because I'm in the house, not out the house. But you're out of the house, so you probably use AirPods more than over-ears. I do, definitely. And I'd be interested in self-cleaning AirPods. I did detail my cleaning regime in a, a marooned once, but judging by the reaction of the listeners, it's probably not wise to detail it again now. Please don't. I remember it vividly. Burnt onto my poor brain. What about iPad Mini 6. That's actually a long overdue update in terms of updating the hardware itself, isn't it? But it's useless to me without a pencil. And I know that the iPad Mini now does support pencil, but it's Pencil 1. And once you've used Pencil 2, Pencil 1 feels prehistoric. Now, the iPad Mini I would have gone for because it's great for portability, but not necessarily right now. So I can't actually see me buying this one, even if it does support a better pencil. And I don't think you've ever been interested in the Mini. No, not at all. Uh, I I took a rain check on the iPads that were announced back in April, so I certainly won't be buying one at all this time around. Well, apparently, that's the Mini, but apparently iPad 9, I've lost total track of which of these iPads is which by now. I just thought I'd throw that in in case you th- you think I know what I'm talking about because I've not got a clue. Th- there's the iPad Pro and the iPad Pro comes, uh, we're talking the M1 iPads. That comes in 12.9 and whatever the, the smaller one is, 11. And that I'm fine with. But then there's like 15,000 other iPads, uh, iPad Airs and iPads and whatever. This one apparently would be the iPad 9. But as you say, I've just bought an iPad Pro. I'm not in the market for another one yet. Even if I were, I wouldn't be buying that one. I would wait and I would get the pros. So um, I think that's got to be a no from me, no matter what they bring out. I don't need or want. Oh, that's both need and want Mm. in the same sentence. Hat tip to Jane, though. (laughs) Fair enough, then. Well, the iPad that you use most is still the second gen 12.9. It is. iPad Pro. Yeah. So that's from 2017. Mm-hmm. I still love my 10.2 from 2017. Love that iPad. My favourite iPad ever, that one, I think. Uh, Oh, so that brings us neatly on to the MacBook Pro. I've only ever bought, personally, one MacBook Pro. It was the 17-inch back in 2006, and I absolutely loved it. I knew I wanted a Mac laptop, probably within about a month of buying the initial iMac. But I waited. I deliberately waited because you, you you know what it's like. Oh, WWDC is just around the corner. They're doing an update. WWDC happened. No update. Then it was, oh, there'll be another event. They'll announce it. You know, they, there'll either be another event or they'll announce it without an event. And I'm like, I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, it got to September. And finally, I think it was a music event in Paris and they did actually announce it. So that was when I bought it and I absolutely loved it. I won't say it was a long time ago. But it had exchangeable batteries. Oh, they were the days. Anyway, I moved to an 11-inch MacBook Air in 2012. Um, That wasn't my idea particularly. It was necessity. The MacBook would have been great. You know, in 2012, if I'd have bought a new MacBook Pro, that would have been great. But in 2012, what was my priority was portability. 
because my dad had given up work. He'd given up his car and I was having to take him to uh, doctor's appointments constantly. So I remember delivering a webinar from the car, you know, on my MacBook Air. <laughs> With a MiFi providing the Wi-Fi. Oh, good grief. But portability was the main thing. So I went for that one. I wasn't going to buy that one. I would have waited. And if I was going to get a MacBook Air, I would have got the 2013 model. That actually, in, in hindsight, would have been a better thing to do, apart from the fact that I needed the kit. So it wasn't even an option because the 2013 one can still be upgraded to Biggles and the 2012 can't. So sometimes waiting one year to buy kit means that it actually lasts for another three. But it, you can't predict it. It's hit and miss. So it was six years between my MacBook Pro and my MacBook Air. And then it was another six years before I got another MacBook Air. And that was a deliberate decision to go for a MacBook Air rather than a MacBook Pro. So I'm three years into that. You do realise that means it's out of Apple Care, don't you? I do. Mm. It was bought just in case the 2012 model died. Needless to say, the 2012 model's going strong and it's the 2018 one that annoys me. Uh, I did inherit my dad's 2009 MacBook Pro 13 inch, uh, but that's a bit long in the tooth now. Obviously, you can imagine I don't think it can be upgraded beyond. I think it's LCAP, but I don't have LCAP on it. I've got one older than that to support. Remember that scanner that needed life support? Mm. That's what that's got on it and that's why it's there. But it might be nice to have a new MacBook Pro, but um, I'll have to say it's not an imminent purchase, you know, not going out and all that. It would be self-indulgent, wouldn't it, Mike? It would. But what about a big iMac? <gasps> now you're talking. 27 inch, maybe even 32 or widescreen, ultra widescreen, whatever. Yep. I might need a bigger desk. However, into every life, a little rain must fall. The RAM situation will be interesting. You know how they took it down? Was it 8 and 16? And I, there's just, I, I might have a mental block on this, but my iMac has 128 gig. And I'd rather it stayed that way. But just be a nice little M1 with a big screen and everything like that. Of course, the other thing is we'll be lucky if it has any ports either. Well, unless it's an Intel one, which obviously it won't be, then it's a definite no from me, as I explained in last week's show. You mean you couldn't be tempted if he brought one out and it was a kind of unicorn pink? No. Mm. I would like one, I must admit. that That's my main machine. And I want to be able to try the M1 side of stuff before I'm forced to, so I can see what works well and what doesn't work and what I might have to tweak. I was reading an article this week. I think it was a review of a particular app or it was listing like five apps that you couldn't live without. And the person was making the point that they had switched from one app that did a certain job. They had no option but to switch to another app that did the same job because the original one didn't work on the M1 or it ran really poorly on the M1. And I'm thinking, you know, you think it's been out that long now that we'd be over that kind of thing. So. I think I'd rather have an M1 sooner rather than later. So I've got a really good iMac to switch to should that one prove to be problematic in certain areas. It, does that make any sense? Totally. It's not just me collecting another iMac for the sake of it then? Well, could be. No, no, <laughs> thank you. Oh, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, an alternative to that, might even be able to tempt you with this, would be a Mac Mini Next Gen. 
because I said, do you remember when we had the event and I said, if they announced a Mac Mini, I'm having it. And they announced a Mac Mini and I didn't buy it. The reason I'd actually talked myself into that. So why did I talk myself out of it? It was the RAM. It was like, how much RAM, really? And obviously you can't change it later. And I thought, well, I'm not going to buy that at this stage because I just have no criteria or basis upon which I can imagine what the performance would be like. So it was a case of I shouldn't get it straight away. I should wait and see what other people have got to say about, it. you know, is it really poor? Or is it fantastic? And of course, with Apple, second gen is always better than their first gen. But they don't seem to update the Mac Mini that often. So if you don't, if they do update it this time, it might be the time to go for it. That one's a definite maybe. But here's one that I think Mike's going to just be no with. What about the monitor? No. Because before you ask about an Apple monitor, let me assure you it won't be happening for me. It's far too expensive. I take it that is a no from you then. That is a no. But do you know what? I don't actually appreciate the styling of it. I know it matches the Mac Pro and I'm not fond of that either. The cheese grater Mac Pro was just perfection. And the new one, you know, it's shiny and it's got these huge air vents on the side. It's not pretty. It's not something I want to sit and look at. Now, fair enough, you know, you'd have it under the desk. But even so, but the monitor, the monitor looks very industrial and slab like. And no, that that design doesn't particularly appeal to me. So th thankfully, it's a no on the monitor because I, I've lost track of, of how much that is, how many kidneys I would need to grow. But it's, it's a definite no on the monitor. Well, that's good, isn't it? I've got a definite no on something. How about the AirPods Pro? Because we've got standard AirPods. What about the Pro? Now, what I'd say is if I were replacing my AirPods, I'd probably go Pro. But I don't really need to replace them right now. So it's probably a no. It's a no from me. Unless they're self-cleaning. Yes. In which case you'd be there. I've got another definite no here. I'm going to pause dramatically so everyone can work out what that is. It's a definite no to AirPods Max. The Marmite of Apple Kit. You either love them or you loathe them. And I wouldn't say I definitely don't love them. But because I'm not buying them, I wouldn't say I loathe them either. I just think there's some very strange decisions going on there. You know, like the case which doesn't actually cover anything. It's it's bizarre, that thing. And the other thing where it doesn't turn off, you've got to put it in the case and then I think it still stays on for two hours. I mean, the batteries on the headphones that I've got just go on and on and on. Honestly, I don't need to charge them for like a month. So, no, it's a definite no on that one. But who knows, will there be version two? Will they be that pretty that I'm tempted? Will there be a pink version? These are questions we need answers to, isn't it? I have actually almost managed to talk myself into something. This one's going to surprise you. In fact, many of you will say, do they still sell that? Which is exactly what you said when I mentioned it. It is, yeah. An iPod Touch is actually quite a bargain at £399 for the large capacity one, especially by comparison with the iPhone. I don't need an iPod Touch, but even so, when I considered that I could have two 
iPod touches for the price of the wheel kit for the Mac Pro, all of a sudden I seem to talk myself to be in the market for one. So that's where I am with that. But yes, they do still make the iPod Touch. Will it be updated? Well, the last time it was, it was like a, a stealth update. They didn't even put a press release out. Obviously, for them, it's kind of a legacy product now and it's not going to be around forever. But given that price, when you think what you could do with that iPod Touch in terms of home automation or music, you know, plug it into to whatever speaker system you've got. It, it's, a, it's not a bad price, that. It's not a bad price. So um, there may be one of those on the way. Who knows? If I'm not spending money on anything else, that might be it. So what else have we got left? Here's one for you. Will we see Apple Glass? Doubtful. Do you remember when that was <laughs> all the rumours were? Oh, this is definitely coming out. And I think it was before WWDC one year. And it wasn't this year. So it was either last year or the year before. And it didn't happen. But it just died a death. It wasn't like the next time there was an event. Oh, it'll be Apple Glass. We've, it, it's literally just kind of withered, hasn't it? So I don't think we'll see it. And I don't think I'd be buying anyway. Do you know what? In the same vein as that, I don't think we'll see it and I wouldn't be buying anyway. I think it's safe to predict no car from Apple in quarter four. Just imagine the price of that one. I do think we'll see it at some point in some form because Apple have just hired some engineers from Mercedes-Benz for this project. But still, it's not for me. But you're not going out anyway, so why would you need one? There's lots of things that I don't actually technically need, depending on the definition of need, Mike. <clears throat> Obviously, the car I don't actually need, but just as well, I don't actually want one either. So we've struck gold with that one, given the, the projected price of it. Then there's all the little things, the, the things that we could indulge ourselves in, isn't there? Watch straps. Would you ever be tempted by an Apple-only watch strap? Only if this one broke. No, I mean an Apple one. Oh, no, no, I don't need an Apple one. Don't want to pay silly prices. Do you know, I've had really, really good use out of the replacement ones, so I'm quite happy with that. But I do think they'll be the usual because that's what they do, isn't it? They bring out like a limited edition watch strap and some people buy it. But there again, some people are committed, aren't they? Uh, cases are another thing that Apple keep bringing out, you know, like silly priced cases, particularly for the phone, like a leather back for the phone. And it'll be like £150. And you look at it thinking, really, Amazon have got them for two ninety nine. And I know they might not be Apple, but I find the replacement stuff very, very good quality. I bought two covers for my uh, iPod Pro. One was a gel back because I do like... I like to put the iPad down on its back, but I want to see that the front without a cover on it. And I also got a cover, which is exactly the same as I've got on my 11 inch. Both of them, I think one was about £9.99. I think the other was £12.99. And they're both fabulous. And I have seen people when I'm out that have got an Apple cover on it. And there's no difference. Zero difference apart from the price. So cases I wouldn't buy from Apple, but I, I would indulge my tech. So they've got little wardrobes of their own. So so some of my iPads have got like two or three cases. Bye bye. Siri's got lots of clothes, hasn't he? <laughs> That's what I do. But no, I don't buy the Apple ones. What about air tags and air tag cases? Um, put one on the dog. No, you're not supposed to put it on, on people with a heartbeat. <laughs> When I say people, you know, oh. a sentient being. I don't, I don't know if it would actually work on the dog. I mean, obviously it would work, but the dog hasn't got an iPhone. 
And you know all the shenanigans about uh, you're not supposed to track people with them. So if Lola hasn't got a phone, but but the air tag's moving with her, they might think that that you're doing things you shouldn't be tracking people. <laughs> So maybe not put one on the dog. Uh, my attitude with the air tags was not going anywhere. I don't need an air tag. And then you made a very good point that we take the dog for a walk and take the house keys with us. And then I thought, hmm, might need to look at these air tags. But then that brought into play the fact that the air tags need a case. And the Apple cases are astronomical. They're more expensive th than the air tags. They sell cases in the hundreds of pounds range. But there were a couple that I saw on Amazon and again, very good value, look great. One of them, I think it's, uh, is it 12 South, are doing a, a dog tag one. So they're actually selling a dog's collar. It was orange, Lola wouldn't have approved. Bright orange with like a plastic case screwed to it. And you, un you take the screws out, you put your air tag in and then you screw it back on. I mean, obviously, that's only as useful as somebody not taking the collar off. But... It's an option, I suppose, isn't it? I might have to seriously consider air tags for, for the house keys. Uh, the other thing that Apple make a lot of money on is MagSafe chargers, isn't it? Yeah. No, I'm not in the market for a MagSafe charger, to be honest. I do have um, a wireless charger that has the phone propped up at just the right angle that it doesn't start mithering me to, for Face ID and, and stuff. It, it just opens. It's grand. Um, it's an anchor one. I think it was something like £14, and it's great. No problem with that at all. So, no, I, I'm not into any of these other things that you can wham on the back either. So um, th those I had as like the stocking fillers, although obviously Apple consider an iMac to be a stocking filler, don't they? They do. Mm. They do. Well, that's us. What about you? What do you want to see? What might you be tempted to buy? Let us know. Another live Map Bites After Hours on Friday. We'll have the usual fun and games together with demos and deep dives. Do join us at nine o'clock UK time. It just wouldn't be the same without you. It's currently 5pm on the 7th of September. You're wondering why I'm telling you that. Well, we're cutting it fine for the edit of this show, but for good reason. We've been waiting for the expected announcement of a special event from Apple and bang on 5pm, there it was. So, we're California streaming on the 14th of September with a MacBytes Live. Live from 5pm UK time at MacBytes.fm. Yes, a whole glorious hour for you to share your pre-show thoughts. Then, live chat during the keynote itself followed by post-keynote chat. So bring your treat of choice to sustain you through a potentially joyous session. The MacBytes bit will be joyous, but we make no promises regarding the Apple bit. There is, of course, a slight issue. While technically we can be in two places at once, it's probably not wise to overstretch ourselves. So there won't be a MacBytes premiere on the same day as the event. But fear not, we're getting so good at this scheduling thing that next week's show will premiere on Monday at 8pm UK time instead. Yes, you lovely MacBiters will have the pleasure of two podcasts and a MacBites Live. Oh, and an After Hours in one week. So we'll see you then.
Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to thecrew at macbytes.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Simply go to macbytes.co.uk slash slack and join the conversation. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesiri. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. So what did you make of the bulb thing? It's a complete waste of time. Why? Those bulbs are that dim. You can hardly see your own charging port. That's a feature, not a bug. What sort of feature is that? Those lights are set to 20% power. Why would anyone want to have lights set to only 20% power? Isn't that obvious? Not to me, no. Sometimes you're dimmer than the bulbs. I'm wounded now. You seriously have no clue, even knowing where they're installed? No. Obviously, it's to protect us all from sites nobody should be subjected to. Oh, oh dear. What did you do? I fixed them. How did you fix them? I boosted the power. In the bathroom? Yes. And the toilet? Yes. You mop it. I'll have to buy an industrial strength lens cover now. I don't want to be subjected to something that can't be unseen. Can you imagine what the neighbors will make of the ultra bright flashing lights when the music starts? With what they listen to, the flashing lights will look like a distress signal.